Hello and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, uh, the only podcast that cares about the privatisation of public toilets in the borders. Uh, I am Cammy Black and I'm joined this week by Rory Baldwin. Hello. Um, we haven't got um, Gian Ander here. Um, one half of the uh, Gian, uh, Ian, has called in, called in sick tonight, uh, presumably because uh, he's without his host body, John. Um, so we still can't get to the bottom of that. Um, has, has he got a crap call-off excuse? Uh, he just said he was feeling a little bit tired at work. Okay. Yeah, so that was his excuse. Um, I haven't got my music queued. Normally, at this point, of course, I'm already with uh, my background music and I haven't got it queued up uh, yet. So I'm just filling at the moment until I can find something uh, suitably... Uh, I think let's go with... Uh, we'll go with this tonight. There we go. Um, so you can get in touch with uh, us uh, on Twitter at Cammy Black or at Scott Rugby Blog. Uh, we're on the blog scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. Uh, I'll just turn the Mario Brothers theme tune off there. Um, we had a bit of fun on Twitter yesterday. Um, after World Rugby um, said that Sia Colisi um, wouldn't be cited for his head, but um, on Pete Horn because Pete Horn had basically pinned him to the ground apparently um, which must make Pete Horn the world's greatest wrestler so we came up uh, I came up with the name for um, Pete Horn as a wrestler which is Rowdy Roddy Pfeiffer uh, and we asked everybody to send in uh, their suggestions we had some good ones Stuart Weir journalist uh, he had the Flying Fagusons for the Ferguson brothers uh, the Shield had Grayson the Hitman Heart uh, Silas Vegas sent a couple of ones. We had giant gray stacks, which I thought was excellent, <laughs> uh, and huge owns, which again uh, is good. Uh, David Walker had Magnus Bradbury as Ricky Steamboat and Hoggy as Brutus the Barber Beefcake after his uh, recent haircut. Um, any others, Rory? Did you have? Oh, I've got, I've got a few. Yeah. Good. Um, well, uh, Jake the Snake Kerr. Very good. Um, yeah. Yeah, under twenty Zucker down at uh, Leicester Tigers. Um, not a Scottish one, but Mick Bernard Foley. Yep. Um, Hacksaw Jim Hamilton. Oh, that's strong. Um, I could I see thinking... him. With, I could see him with the two before as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Triple H would be Horn Hastings Horn combo at Glasgow. <laughs> I, I, is that like sort of like one on top of the other on the shoulders, like in? Uh... Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> like the Muppets. Yeah. Um. I, w- I wasn't sure who who to pick as the ultimate warrior, but you know, pick pick your insert Glasgow legend. Yeah, here. some somebody suggested um, George Horn, but I think um, Ian's already claimed him as Hornito, which I think sounds like um, sounds like a Mexican Mexican masked wrestler. Yeah, I think Stuart Weir sounded said it sounded more like something you'd buy from Lions Made. Yeah, um, a couple more. I well, I was going to say that. Um, yeah, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Visser. Oh, that, yeah, that's good. Fairly tenuous. Um, and the only other one I could think of, I was trying to remember the name of the guy, and I got some help. Um, but uh, Scotty Too Hotty was a wrestler in the in the vintage of which I was watching Raw and um, SmackDown and all that sort of thing. And uh, his his special move was he, he did the worm, so he wriggles about on the floor before delivering the finishing move. So there's only one guy that could be, and that's uh, Sia Khaleesi. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we. I mean, I'm happy to continue this. So, if anybody has got any more um, rugby players as wrestlers, uh, let us know. Um, we'll get on with the match. But before we uh, talk about Scotland South Africa, we've got a little point of order. Um, Stu two on the comments has complained 
that because we're picking comments from the blog, there's no right to reply um, because we picked some of his comments last week. Um, but as Team Cam pointed out, the right of reply is in the comments section on the podcast post. And um, as somebody else, I think, pointed out, uh, we're a podcast and not a court of law. Um, so uh, in all fairness, though, um, we, we are just trying to pick up some of the uh, talking points from the blog. And uh, you should all be honoured that we're even uh, reading out your names. Um <laughs> We um we heard before we start though we 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 um this is what Greg Laidlaw had to say after the game about that defeat. We had, we had opportunities I think uh, to, to win the game, and so we're, we're pretty pretty frustrated. You've got to give credit to Sadaf and some of the, the ways they defended. Uh, we're able to, to slow the ball up for us and it made it a difficult second half. So so in that yeah we're disappointed uh, and we're right in the game. And we scored a couple of nice well constructed tries and. There's a lot of brave air and effort went into the game, so uh, yeah, potentially we could have won, but you know, so they've have scored more points than us, so we've got to give them credit. We had a good uh, chat with Gregor at half time and, and he showed us a few good opportunities, and I think we were expecting that in the week, um, so we maybe could have just held our feet a little bit more and, and got it to the width in, in the first half because for the try up the left hand side there, we've done that, we just held our feet and got the ball around them and, and scored a lovely try. And, Disappointing, we couldn't do that another couple of times to, to open them up. I honestly believe we're right up there. Uh, Greg has spoken to change room at the end, but we feel South Africa are really right up there as well in terms of top two, three team in the world. And so it shows we can we're right in these games, and uh, another day we can win. So we're going in the right direction, and of course, we're disappointed we've lost. I feel we maybe lost the breakdown battle after the straight after the game, it's, it's sometimes difficult to tell. And, I'm not sure what the penalty count or anything was at the minute, um, but you know we, we struggled to generate the quick ball at times, and you know, whether that was down to us, yeah, I'm not too sure yet. We'll need to look at that and, and clean that up for next week. Rory, um, you were at the match. Um, Laidlaw, they're saying that Scotland probably lost the breakdown battle and couldn't get quick ball. I mean, I think that's probably the story of the match, is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched. Um, I've watched the whole whole game back since I got back, but I watched the first half and certainly. It was noticeable how, um, you know, how well Scotland were doing at, at that point, and it was also noticeable how poorly they did in the second half. Um, I mean, yeah, Townsend also talked about it in the press conference. Just the, the ball was the ball coming out was so slow, um, which meant that the Springbok defence was set, which meant that Finn Russell had no time, um, and it meant that late on when we kind of needed you know when when a bit of a bit of traditional scotland magic or a bit of stuart hogg magic something like that you know might have might have pulled that seven pointer out which would have given us a one point win um it, it was almost like scotland were kind of punched out by that point um and yeah and you know the the box were fairly comfortable with with what they're doing yeah um i'm just at the first comment i think that we that it was actually the first comment on your um your match report was smoking gun, which kind of summed it up. It says, it's hard being Scottish. Pretty good performance, not a lot to complain about, just didn't have quite enough. Um, he said, massive Russell fan, but unfortunately that was the worst I've seen him play for Scotland. He'll bounce back and so will the boys in blue. Um, it was a nod. I mean, uh, halfway through the match, because I was watching with my dad, he, he he switched from calling him Finn Russell to your Finn Russell, as if somehow <laughs> it was it was my fault that he wasn't uh, John Rutherford. Um, uh, but he... It was a, it was a mixed. It was one of these strange games. He he seemed to be trying to force quite a lot with his kicks, and and they weren't really going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, I had I had it was interesting because I um there were similar comments on the player ratings piece when we were talking about 
the score that I'd given him there. And my impression from from watching it was actually that he hadn't been as bad as everyone else seems to uh, think that think that he was. Um, but you do watch it back, and there were, I, I guess maybe it was because some of the mistakes he was making didn't hurt us as bad as other things hurt us. Um, yeah. But I, I suppose you could argue that the decision to uh, just after we've got the momentum back and are back in the game, the sort of decision to try and recreate his pass against England by winging one over the top three defenders to Hugh Jones um, was possibly the right call in the wrong bit of the park and obviously from there Jones got turned over by uh, by Khaleesi and South Africans came straight back with another try which basically you know every time you could feel it in the stadium every time the, the crowd were, were getting up for it South Africa would just put some points on the board and that would kind of deflate the atmosphere and um, you know Scotland play a lot better when they when the crowd are just sort of you know are, are behind them all the time. It's a really odd thing because I've I've noticed this on some of the comments we get on the blog and also um, the Scottish Rugby Forum as well. And there's a real difference, I think, from the, the the kind of comments you get from people that watch at home on the telly compared to people that are at the match. And I think what you you don't see on the telly sometimes is the space that the players see. So sometimes, I, I think a lot when, we, when yeah. you look at the comments, you get comments from people who are at the match and, and maybe you see the space that Russell saw more than when you're looking at tight camera angle. Yeah, I mean, I've got to be—I've got to be honest. I was—I um, was looking at my keyboard typing when that restart happened, <laughs> and so I had to. Um, our, our old mucker Gav was sat next to me, and I had to say, "What happened there?" And he said, "Oh, Hugh Jones went into contact and lost the ball," um, which is the problem when you're trying to write a match report and watch the game at the same time. Uh, you know, if you don't get your sentence out in time, the game starts again. There's no pause button, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, uh, your did you pick out what what comment did you pick from the blog then? Um, well, I mean, this this is one that uh, probably sums up kind of my feelings on the second half, aside from the breakdown. Um, but uh, it was from Big Al, none of the none of our Big Al's, but um, uh, another Al, a, a Big um, Al, a Big Al, and he's it's a reasonably lengthy one. He said one thing I've noticed from the three games this autumn is we're getting into really good positions with our lineout mall, but there seems to be a big reluctance reluctance to release the ball to the backs quickly when we stop going forward. I can understand that the forwards want to keep control and to build the reputation of their mall. However, we should be using it to tie in as many opposition forwards as possible and then to release the backs. Our backs are good good enough now to finish most opportunities and run some fantastic lines. Even against Fiji in the first half, our outside backs were screaming for the ball with a 2-3 man overlap and the mall was static. The more we get a reputation for keeping it tight, the tighter the defence will become. The forwards need to think more about releasing it as then fewer opposition defenders will enter the mall and then they will in turn get more go forward. We just need to mix up the point of attack more if the line-out mall is going to be one of our key weapons. And I think um, that covers a few points. Obviously, the um, get using the backs more as a weapon. Um, we had, I mean, we Scotland did despite the despite the score, despite the battering and the breakdown, despite Finn Russell's patchy play. Scotland still had arguably a chance to win that game. I mean, one thing that we've learned about Scotland over the years, the recent years. Is that we, you know, we can score tries now, and they went, they had a kick to the corner, they got the, you know, they got the best out of it. They were in a great position. They had the, they had the ball, that that was there for for a score. Or if, um, you know, if they could have capitalised on it, um, but the ball went into the mall, used it once, all went down. Scrums to South Africa, yeah. and I think, I mean, it's quite, it's kind of similar to. Um, in Fiji, um, as as Big Al said, um, I think it was it was possibly the grey 
when uh, when Johnny Gray's try that was a not a double movement or a you know a, um, a Fijian player pulling it back or whatever it was, the try that was disallowed there, the backs were screaming for the ball then as well. Yeah. Um, you know, quite often near to the line. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, it you was, could, you it could was, almost yeah. It was the same against Wales as well. I think when a couple of times with the Wales game, they were sucking in the defence, but then the backs are screaming for it, but it's not coming out. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. You know, I can, I, can, I totally get why Scotland played like that. You know, a decade ago, when the backs were quite frankly mints, and <laughs> there was, you know, and you couldn't, you couldn't buy a try for love nor money. You know, you'd occasionally get a forward scoring a try. Um, these days, um, you know, we've got some of the, we've got some of the best attacking backs in the world, and certainly one of the most settled backlines. Um, so, you know, why, why not use them? The Hoggy, Hoggy, admittedly, wasn't on the pitch by that point. And he was probably he was one of the best players, but I mean Hugh Jones had been cutting them open all afternoon. Sean You've got Maitland. to think, it, yeah, Sean Maitland Maitland. Had a good game, yeah, I, I, yeah. The... Inside inside the twenty-two, tie in some defenders, spin the ball, and let the let the backs have one-on-ones against their opposite numbers, who they were easily easily up to to taking on. Um, it was a wee bit of an opportunity missed, I think. But, I mean, again, it came down, you know, it could have been a concentration thing. It could have been a, a tiredness thing. They're maybe thinking, they're maybe not thinking because um, they're, you know, they're just kind of going going through the motions at that point. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the strength of this Scotland team is the attacking play in the backs and they need to play to that strength until the pack catches up, if you like. Um, the pack the pack's still not, I think someone else had made quite a good comment, said the pack's still not really settled. We don't know who the best. We don't know the best back row, second row, front row combinations are yet. And yeah. you know the World Cup's coming up. Um, you could pretty much pick the back line now for the for the first World Cup game against Ireland, assuming everyone was fit. Um, and it just uh, you know re- use use the weapons you have until the until the other ones catch up. I mean the mall has been a lot better than it than it was, but still against the big packs. I think I'm pretty sure it happened against Wales again. We went we took it in and you get turned over. Yeah. And and Probably not, as a backers, not more depressing. I, I think that's it. And if, if they're if they're not wise to that, if they if they don't get the sense quick enough to say we're not we're going to lose this ball if we don't do something quickly and, and and react to that, and that's what they didn't do against Wales and they didn't do this weekend against South Africa is realizing this this ball's this mall's going down and yeah potentially legally as well. Let's let's quickly get just whip it out and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, you can't rely on any referee, let alone a French referee, to give a give a penalty <laughs> against for for collapsing the collapsing the mall. You can't think, oh, we'll keep it in because if they collapse it, we'll get a penalty try or another yeah. shot at it. It's just like, don't don't play for penalties. It's an interesting point that about the forwards, though. If I mean, I'm just thinking about it. you. Probably got. I mean, if you say Nell is probably nailed on. Um, Brown and McAnally, we've said last week, are interchangeable. I don't. I think you could yeah. you could swap one in and one out, and it wouldn't really make any difference. Um, Johnny Gray, I think, in, I'd have Johnny Gray happily in the second row. Um, who partners him, I think, is the question. Um, Watson, probably Barkley, and then everything else is up. We've almost got like one half of a scrum. Yeah. That needs it's probably what's now is now one. Okay, confused. Three. Three. So what else? He's got one, five, and. If you have Barkley, well, an eight, yeah, one, five, and eight are the are the positions that are up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, for definite, yeah. I mean, there there probably be some that would argue that Barkley's not 
Um, but I think he'll be there or thereabouts. I would have thought so, yeah. I mean, he's getting a rest, isn't he? So I wish he's always been. Um, the one I did want to, I was going to talk about, I couldn't find a comment that uh, there was one Stu, Stu too had commented on Wilson, but I, I didn't want to pick on him two weeks in a row after he'd. Um, he was. Uh, I'd clearly upset him. Um, the it was interesting. Toulson and Wilson um, on the thir- thirty minute mark, and this is. I think it's it it, it sort of it, it encapsulated the issues I've got with Toulson and Wilson, where they sort of drift in and out of games, and you can never quite put your finger on it. But I, I, it sort of clicked with me this this week about what what the issue is, and it was the half an hour mark, and they both were getting up from. Uh, we were in the, the South Africa, and we were attacking the South African twenty two, running through the phases, and we weren't getting much change off of the South Africa because they were you know up to all sorts of just flopping over the ball and throwing big men and big lumps at every ruck. But Wilson and Toulouse got up from a ruck and just kind of sauntered back, almost with hands in the pocket, back into the attacking line. Um, and it's, it's on the half an hour mark, mark if you watch it back. And it, that's that's the difference. If you watch everybody else, even Nell, who's not the you know the most mobile, um, and, and even Gordy Reid, who again is even less mobile than Nell, they're, they're straight back up on the feet and they're running to get back into the attacking line. But Every, almost every ruck, if if it was Wilson or Toulouse, they were just sort of slowly getting back to their feet and slowly walking back. And you know, they, it might be that thing of gamesmanship and trying to you know throw off the uh, South African mm. defence by standing there. But I, that's not the game we're playing anymore. We're playing for quick ball, and we're, so we need players who are going to get back into the attacking line quickly. And it's something Eddie, not them. I never want to praise Eddie Jones or give him any credit for something, but it's something Eddie Jones, I know England has talked about a lot, is he looks at the speed that players get to the breakdown, then the speed that the players reset. And I think that's that's the issue, I think, with Toulouse and Wilson. I think when they're having a good game, they're quite quick to get back to the feet, but when things aren't quite going Scotland's way, they are. it's just an extra couple of seconds of getting back to the feet and getting back in the attacking line. Yeah, I mean... It's, uh... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Wilson, I was watching for the the try that came just after Scotland's first try, the South African try, and yes, he was he was sauntering a little bit, and then um, he found himself descent, defending the outside channel against Pollard, who just went went round him. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, your number eight shouldn't really be letting that happen. No. And I think that's it. He has it's this thing we've said before. Is I was all I was quite forgiving of him against Fiji. I thought he had a really good game, despite what a lot of people had said in the comments. And and he has these really really good games against the likes of mm-hmm. Fiji and against the likes of Italy. But then it's that he it, it's and I think we've said it before. It's when he get comes across up against a South Africa, um, or a big team, and Scotland are on the back foot. He struggles to sort of exert himself on the game. Yeah, and I think he gets. I mean, they they target him for for winding up, surely, because yeah. it can't be a coincidence. I mean, it can't be a coincidence that he's always involved in the handbags. Um, but you know, he can't be instigating all of that himself. No. Um, so yeah, it could be a frustration thing, because um, obviously he is try. You know, he's trying to carry, but he's making no ground. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw Alan Dell. He he came in for a fair bit of stick. There was there was plenty of South Africans giving him a little dig. As obviously someone born in South Africa, and not left that recently. Yeah, um, he was in there. He was, was he was um, a member of that under twenty World Cup winning squad with Ollie Kebble. There was him and Ollie Kebble and someone else as well, but I can't remember. Um, yeah, okay, so that would make, that would make sense. That makes sense. There's yeah. quite a few current players that would would have played with him in the past. 
Yeah. Um, what else do we have? Um, do, 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 do. Oh, yeah, we, well, we'll move on. To, should we move on to Roman? We. Oui. Uh, look at the big tiger, which is a fantastic comment name. Um, said infuriating, but probably the right result. Poit let the Springboks get away with a lot of the breakdown. Can't think how many times I saw Kitschoff lying on the ball and making no effort to roll away. But ultimately, we could have made that and made some terrible decisions. Um, I think, I mean, I think the, the, the terrible decisions thing, I think ultimately... We Scott that South Africa scored tries through Scottish errors, and Scotland scored tries through creating chances. And I think that was the difference between the two teams. Is in effect Scotland lost that game. If they hadn't made the mistakes, they wouldn't have conceded the tries. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, in terms of Roman Poit, though, um, I, I mean, I guess to a certain extent, Scotland have to do their homework on the referees. They know what they're getting. It's not the first time we've been refereed by him. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting because in the first half, I thought a lot of the decision went our way. Um, you know, there was uh, there was the one where Maitland and I think it was Larue went up to chase a high ball, and Maitland basically clattered him in the air, but then sort of fell down, held his chest, I think, and <laughs> got away with it, scot free. Um, and I've seen, you know, I've seen Scotland players get yellow carded for things like that before. Um, and I was thinking, it's, it's interesting. So quite a lot of the decisions seem to be going our way. Uh, so you know, I can't I can't say he's he was all bad, but um, I mean I'm not sure what was going on in the scrum. You can't really see, and they've taken away the they've taken away the TVs from the uh, from the, the the press area now, so you can't see the replays very well. Um, so it's just tricky to see if anything anything much is going on in the in the the scrums. Um, now seem to be getting a pasting from Kitsoff, but apparently um, Brian Moore on the telly was saying was seeing it slightly differently. Um, I mean, yeah, it, I I was the main thing I noticed about Platt was he kept shouting skinny, skinny, <laughs> and I I thought he's awfully familiar with young Sam Skinner. Is he is <laughs> uh, he is he giving him a bit of coaching because he's all, offside all the time or lying on the deck, and then eventually realised that it was of course our, our old pal Ben Skeen who was the TMO. Yeah. Um, who missed quite a lot, shall we say? Yes, yes. Um, should we talk about Skinny? We could, yeah. Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, I it was. I think it was from it was Pat's decision to call uh, the TMO in for um, the Pete Horn try, wasn't it? I don't think that was uh, one of yeah. Benstein's classic um, checkmate. Check, mm. check. I don't understand. I don't. Even if he'd watched it on the big screen, I don't understand how you, how how you would call that back. It's impossible, physically impossible, for a ball to be sent backwards, sent forwards, or leave the hands forwards if it comes out the back. If you've thrown it from behind yeah. you, I mean the moment it did. There were certain angles where it did almost look like it trapped, but when you saw the one, you know, with the lines, it, it yeah. looked fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean there was one. There was one even earlier than he that he missed. Um, pretty much Scotland's first uh, kind of genuine threat on the on the goal was when um Finn Russell put a put a chip through into the pretty much onto the, the touchline and uh, Hugh Jones was was um was brought to ground as he chased it and to me that looked a little bit like a foul or possibly even a trip hmm. um on him um which the crowd spotted but uh nobody thought to to have a look at I mean yeah I don't there were it was maybe a, maybe a penalty maybe not but um, I don't think Jones would have definitely scored it, but you never know given the form he was in that day. Yeah, and then there's the one that was the Hamish Watson incident, 
which only was only deemed to be a penalty for just the shoulder charge, and then the uh, Khaleesi headbutt. Yeah, which the wrestling. World Rugby have come out today and said, uh, extenuating circumstances, Pete Horn was holding them down, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't remember seeing that in the. Um, High tackle head headbutting rules that if you were being held back, it was okay to headbutt somebody. I'm pretty sure, um, and any referees who are listening can correct us on this, but I'm pretty sure um, if you're retaliating, that's that doesn't doesn't matter. If you've been provoked and you still commit an act of foul play, it's still it's still an act of foul play. Um, in theory, you know Pete Horn could be penalised for um, for holding the holding the player. Um, not bound to the rock or whatever, mm-hmm. and so that would be a penalty to South Africa, and then you'd reverse it because he's been headbutted, so um, penalty and probably at least a yellow card to Scotland. But uh, no, nothing no, of the sort. Nothing, not even a red card after the fact. So yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, so I think that what they're basically saying is it's a yellow card after the fact, right? By yeah, the yeah, yeah, because the referee, because right? Roman Pat would have stood there and gone, well, he's been held on, so there's. It's almost like just cause, isn't it? In a murder, yeah. it's like it's not. It's not murder. It was manslaughter. Mm. Um, yeah, an odd. That was an odd, an odd decision. But I, it's what is interesting. I think is it shows a lot of what people don't see Pete Horn doing. And yeah, that's that. That's the kind of stuff that Pete Horn's getting up to that you don't often see because it's he's not he's not the player that that. I mean, he obviously scored the try, but he. He's up to a lot of stuff like that in and around rucks, and you don't get to see it that often. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for it. Yeah, I think he, he's um, he's possibly a, busy, a busier bee than we give him credit for. Um, yeah. So I mean, I, it's not really worth discussing the head, but I think the the general consensus is it's a ridiculous decision um, not to have cited him at the very least and and have some sort of hearing where he could have argued that he was being held down. Yeah, I mean, and it's one. It's one of these things. It, it's when you put it in contrast with other current decisions. Um, with the, I mean, there were some some commenters on Twitter who suggested that this was World Rugby making it up to South Africa for the the Owen Farrell thing. But what about <laughs> um, what about making it up to the the rest of the the game for the fact that for the Owen Farrell thing and all the other ones that there, or, you know, the, the Cipriani one that didn't get, didn't go unpunished and just the, yeah. the, the kind of rampant inconsistencies that they've got going on. I mean, and then you think about even Willie LaRue, who was yellow carded for flapping a hand at a ball yeah. and, you know, with, with the best will in the world, those, those sort of yellow cards look really, really stupid when you see people getting away with foul play. Yeah. And I get, I you know, I get the Willie LaRue one's an interesting one. Cause I kind of get, I get why on a, on on a on a moral level, when you compare it to the Khaleesi incident, people are saying that sort of thing shouldn't be a yellow card, but it is. Mm. And he had no, it, it's fine. He went for the ball, and that's fine. But he had no realistic prospect of getting it. He's misjudged it, but by the letter of the law, it's still a yellow card. Yeah, it's the pro. Yeah, it is. But it's this. It's the letter of the law thing. It's um, the letter of the law is not always followed. In fact, it's frequently not followed. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the problem a lot of people have. I think. Yeah, is that that um, it's just it's in, inconsistent applications. Um, they've got all the they've got all these laws. Surely you just. I mean, the problem is, I suppose, is that there there are so many laws and you can't apply them all all of the time, or you'd never have any time in play. 
it would just be whistle, whistle, whistle. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I think it's massively hypocritical to go on about protecting the players, protecting the head and all that sort of thing, and then stop, uh, and then just kind of ignore ignore things like this. Yeah. The I mean, uh, Razi Erasmus, the South African coach, was saying in the press conference afterwards, you know, it's he feels that rugby's maybe going through a period a little bit like football when it was kind of wrestling with goal line technology and how to make it work for its game. Um, and, you know, he says he just wants to get to a, a situation where everybody knows exactly what the line is and where the, you know, what can be done and what can't be done. And then, and then, you know, and then the game will, the game will move on. But the problem is that they're, they're, they're sort of paying lip service to the, to trying to do that. But, um, but then the decisions that they're actually making and that are reversing or following up on don't seem to reflect that at all. Yeah, I'm just disappointed that um, Gregor Townsend didn't take uh, Graham Love up on his offer to um, film film Pete Horn um, headbutting a tackle bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to make a point, um, let's have a look. Um, uh, we well, let's see. From we 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 should also we've um, also heard from Hugh Jones and Gregor Townsend after the match, and this is what they had to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for. For any professional player, um, yeah, having a game like that down in Cardiff really, really take a knock to your confidence. Um, I'd say there's probably some older and wiser heads in the changing room that have been there and done that, and, and it's not the end of the world. The sun, the sun will come up tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I mean, took a hit for that. Um, but yeah, I think I was pretty chuffed when I was told I was back in the team for this week. I just wanted to put out a good performance. Probably the first time I've come in for that much criticism in Scotland. I mean, it's tough setting, but you just got to get over it and just get on to the next game. Um, we're, I suppose we're, we're lucky and unlucky at the same time that we're sort of evaluated every week in this. So you're still going to have another chance in maybe the next week or the week after um, to put things right. Just glad that I've sort of gone somewhere to do that today. Um, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's technical things, so just sort of be able to sort of park that off. I mean, you, everyone makes mistakes and be able to sort of put that behind you and get on with it. Um, and that, that, that's in games and training, that's that's all the time. So move on from stuff like that. Um, and technically getting it right and practicing, that sort of thing. You know, like, um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's always nice scoring tries. Um, but I mean, something like that today, that, that feels amazing as well. Um, yeah, no, I was pretty worried when they went to the TMO that it's going to be called back. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was given, so the boys will enjoy watching that one back. We want to play quick rugby, and, and what they do at the breakdown really, really makes that hard. I mean, they've got a, quite a, a couple of guys in the pack and even in the backs that are really good at getting over ball and slowing it down. Um, I'd say that disrupted our shape quite a bit. Um, say in the first and the second half, we sort of going back and forth in the middle of the field a bit and um, ended up in a turnover, just really lost our shape. Um, so, yeah, it is frustrating, that that sort of defence. I think it, it comes on us, really, to, to be able to deal with that better, um, sort of better breakdown efficiency and stay in our shape, and we could have dealt with that a lot better, I think. Well, there's lots of moments in, in a game. Uh, there's the ones that um, are big moments when maybe we... An error gives them points or <coughs> occasions we don't make the most of uh, to, to score points when we have opportunities. But th- there's lots of little ones in there. Greg mentioned the breakdown. I thought, thought South Africa were excellent um, competing for ball. Um, I'll have to look at it closely to see if it was legal. I'm sure it was. But uh, we didn't get enough quick ball and we didn't get enough possession at times. I think 
imagine six nine points probably came from us when we uh, from us when we were in possession. They got over ball. So it's part of of the team's evolution. It'd be nice to, to win every game you play and then um, retire with a hundred percent record. But um, there's going to be games where not everything goes well for you. It's how you adapt. I thought the team adapted very well today. Like we we went behind on the scoreboard, but found a way to to get in behind that defence or get outside that defence which was flying up off the line which had big men tackling our, our players and we scored a cracking try we got back in the game in the second half um, at 20 all we were forcing penalties and pressure so that that was that was encouraging uh, obviously they, they're a smart team too they're an experienced team uh, and they found a way to win so we'll we'll look over the next couple of days how we if we had played that game again how we could have found a way to win but also how it's going to help us be a better team next week I'm sure it will be important it's not enjoyable uh, we, uh, we, I'm saying we but the players put huge effort into that game that'll be one of the toughest challenges they'll, they'll ever face um, playing for Scotland the size and the amount of contacts um, they have to deal with today I thought they, they stood up so well I thought some of our defensive sets were, were outstanding um, and they're their courage and bravery to get back into the game time and time again was was great to see, and we we did obviously create an opportunity with three minutes to go to to put a lineup all um, drive against uh, South Africa with the potential potential to win the game, and South, South Africa defended it. Um, um, they were effective in defending it. Let's say we we need our leaders and want our leaders to make decisions, and and we we'll back whatever decision they make. We might analyse it on Monday, Tuesday, and talk about. What might happen next time we get that decision and discuss it with, with our leaders and our coaches. But on the field, the players are the ones that are, are driving our game. We'll analyse um, what um, what we could do differently next time, but obviously it's it's a decision they were confident in and had got a penalty from a light-up mall just before. Uh, and South Africa, you're not playing against no opposition. You're playing against an opposition who who turned it on really defensively in that line-up mall and stopped us scoring five points. Uh, Rory, um, Gregor Townsend after the match was um, he backed the decision. Scotland had a, a penalty on the hour mark and went yeah. to the corner. I think um, Greg Leadlod spoke about it as well and sort of said he'd always back himself and that the, the forwards felt the uh, felt they had the had had the upper hand in the mall. Um, was it the right decision? Do you think? It's, it's tricky. Looked at in the context of the game, no, but looked at in the context of the twenty-two meter mall that they pulled off about five minutes before. You think, of course, you're going to back yourself to the mall for that one. Um, they were they were up a man at that point, I think. So they were looking to yeah. to make the most of their one man advantage um, and get some, you know, get some points on the board, take the lead back, whatever. But yeah, I mean, the the the, pen, the penalties were there. Um, I think possibly they might have been better just uh, kicking kicking the points. Then it's a three point game. Then a five-point try is enough to put you in the lead. A drop goal or another penalty is enough to get you the draw. Um, and you know they get they they were they were cutting cutting them open. You know they they were not at will, but they were finding gaps. They were they were making ground. So there's nothing to say that you take your three points and then you control the restart, which admittedly they didn't do that well, um, and then get back down there. Um, run run them about. I mean, you'd be aiming to you'd be aiming to run them about, rather than try and take them on in a fairly sort of static game plan where they can see what's going on and what's coming, and they can say, okay, well, we could put another person in to defend, or 
you know, our seven man pack is, is enough to, um, you know, a seven man pack is enough to defend that mall or whatever they wanted, wanted to do. Whereas if you play a kind of unstructured game against them in that, you're more likely to get a score or a try. So I think almost slowing, slowing the game down by going for that mall option wouldn't have been, no, I, I think uh, I think they should have they should have kicked the points. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and played to the strengths. The, the the point about the twenty two is really interesting because we, we were saying last week that Scotland have got better at restarts, but then it wasn't so much the restarts as as exiting their own twenty two. It mm. seemed to be the sort of I uh, Russell and Hogg both seemed to sort of have it in the mind that they were just going to run everything out of the twenty two, which just felt like a, a madness against a team like South Africa. I mean, I think Hoggy once got it out. <laughs> By running it out and then did a, a, a huge, big, yeah, long downfield kick to put South Africa under pressure, but it it felt like there was a lot of very odd decisions being made in within Scotland's twenty-two by Scotland. Yeah, I would say I would say that was that was pretty fair. Um, which I guess comes back to the probably comes back to kind of Finn Russell's game management as well as 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 Hogs and yeah, are they still uh, are they still being a little bit fast and loose. Yeah, I mean it's. The, I mean Townsend said in the post-match interview that they'll learn from it, and but I think we, you know, the, there's the other side of that which we've said before. You know, Scott, every defeat Scotland will learn something from it. But the, I think it was the um, was it after Ireland we had Alan Dimmock on here, and he was saying, yeah, there's only so many times you can allow yourself to be beaten up to learn a lesson, and at some point yeah. you've got to start winning. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think there is. I mean, there is a lot of lessons Scotland can take from it. Um, I mean, I don't want to. Looking ahead to the Argentina match, and I know probably by the time this goes out and people actually listen to it, the, the team will already be out. I mean, it's there. There's been a debate on the Scottish rugby forum about whether you say players are dropped or rotated out, um, and I think probably there's a little of column A and a little of column B in terms of what Gregor Townsend actually does. I would be tempted against Argentina to start Hastings and have Russell on the bench. But Just to send a, send a message? Slightly, yeah. I mean, also because I, I think we said at the start of the autumn test, there's, there's a limited amount of times when you're going to want to start Hastings anyway because you're going to have to start winning games. But an odd, with all respect to Argentina, Hastings has already been there and done that. I don't think it's a game that yeah. would hold any fear for him. It gives him a chance to start you could easily bring. I mean, the whole um, Catter Rave thing seems to be work. It, it's working quite effectively, I think, as a genuine tactic in the closing. You know, in closing out games, it, it hasn't yeah. Scotland. I mean, even against South Africa, Scotland didn't go backwards in defence by having that ten twelve. Um, when they seem to be interchangeable as well, as Russell was coming in at ten and Hastings was shifting to twelve, and they were and vice versa. Yeah, it, it seems like a viable option when matches are breaking up to have that there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would say I would say so. I mean, it gives you that um, you can att- you can sort of attack from either either side, um, depending on how they're how they're lined up. It gives you gives you that chance. Um, I mean, part of me wonders if actually um, having George Horn on the bench would have been would have been a, a good decision mm. against South Africa because just because he would be something that none of them had sort of seen, uh, you know, played against before. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I mean, there there are more South Africans in the uh, you know that play in the Premiership now, so the, there's a little bit more familiarity than there, there perhaps might have been after they kind of lifted that rule. Um, but yeah, just it was tricky because 
you, you think maybe a, a raise in pace might have actually been enough to, to see Scotland over the line, but by that point, Hogg was off the pitch um, with his with his ankle. Laidlaw had gone, so the kind of the leadership was because um, Hogg and Wilson were both vice captains. They'd gone, so Johnny Gray was captain um, for the end spell, and you just wonder. It's a nice idea bringing George Horn off the bench there, but would he have been the only one that could could hack his own pace um, by that point in the game? Yeah. Um, I suppose Hastings would have been... Yeah, I mean, it feels... I mean, Price... I, I'm not sure Price made the right decisions at the right times when he came on. He mm-hmm. He's not... I, th- I would... He's probably third choice at the moment. Um, I think Horn off, is offering a lot more from the bench in terms of adding... Um, speed to Scotland's yeah. attack in when games are breaking up. So you probably want Laidlaw to start and Horn off the bench would be the preferred option. Yeah, it's one of it's it's one of these tricky things. Do you need do you need a, a nerveless kicker at the end if the game is mm. tight? But if you're chasing the game you'd rather win it by a try or two and then get an easy conversion. I suppose yeah to that extent it does limit your choices because then you're really looking at You've got to have Russell still on the pitch as your kicker because I mean Russell's his kicking's improved vastly in the last couple of seasons. He was you know he yeah. was, he was kicking from the touchline uh, that last kick he did against Fiji, which there was no need for it to go over, but he still nailed it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, one of the two of them would would be on, but then, yeah. So you would have um, you would have Horn Horn Hastings Russell probably. Yeah. If you if you were looking to chase a game, but um, whether that's the the three that you want on the pitch, if you're in a tight you know, if you're in a tight knockout World Cup game yeah. to close a game out, difficult to say. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, the let's have a look. Um, the last comment I had picked out was um, Haraboldi, um, who was a South African, who said he he'd really enjoyed the experience of the game. Um, and um, what did he say? He said, "Do you need a? Where's that comment gone?" Uh, the food stuck her. Pre-test hiking up, and uh, Arthur Peak made the lager flow better. The stadium's awesome, so imposing to walk up uh, to great seats on the east side. Lights out show will bring back many uh, for another test soon. I hope Scotland just need a proper eight and six thumper and a bouncer, and maybe bigger props. Um, thanks, Edinburgh. New Europeline said fifty um, percent of your of our props were born in South Africa, so we can blame you for that one. And he said we sent you the wee ones. Yeah. Well, certainly. I mean, that boy, that boy Kitsoff, he's got to have some Scottish blood in him with that, that colour of hair. I know. Um, yeah, I'm not. So, I can't imagine. Uh, but yeah, he's he's he's, uh, he's right about the number eight for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, did I, I can't remember that because I was watching. I've, I've watched the game in a blur, and I've only watched bits of it afterwards. It, who came on? Was it? Did Strauss come on for Wilson? Uh, yes, he did. Because yes. uh, Richie didn't come on till till later. Mm. Um, for for Skinner, um, I mean it was I I was thinking I think it was uh, I was thinking in the in the shower the other day and I was thinking about Danny Wilson's pack at Cardiff the last time and did not have uh, did not have Nick Williams as his number eight yeah so is that is that Danny Williams archetypal number eight or Danny Wilson sorry um, the Scotland forwards coach so Nick Nick Williams. That's what we're. That's what. That's what he presumably has in the back of his mind. <laughs> and then Tooney says, "Well, we're going to give you Ryan Wilson to work with." He's a different proposition altogether. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what he goes for um, against Argentina because we thought. I mean, to a certain extent, there's a lot of players I think that would be worth a run out. I think Gary Graham 
it would be an opportunity to say, look, here you go, son. If yeah. you're really going to stick with us here, that this is a match. It's not they're not the best, one of the best teams in the world, but they're not the worst. They're a, they're a tricky opposition. Go and show us what you can do. Oh yeah, it'll definitely be an international. Uh, it'll definitely be a test because they they'll probably be pretty embarrassed by what happened in the in the summer, and they'll want to do the same sort of thing to us. Yeah, and they've they've lost all their games so far, haven't they? They lost against France. They I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, they'll be. I mean, oh, it sounds like a cliche, but they will be targeting the match as as one to potentially come back and yeah. get one back no. over on us. Um, who else? I'd like to see Skinner back in this. I'd like to see Skinner back, um, with um, alongside um, Gray. Yeah, I would, I would too. In the second row. Um, I'd like to see... that, that, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I think I talked about it in one of my comments or something or the player ratings, but. So many people were saying, I don't see the point of Ben Tullis, he's just Johnny Gray Mark II, but that wasn't how he started out. No. Um when he first you know, when he first kinda of kicked into the international scene, he was he was kind of a counterpoint to that. He wasn't he was almost more kind of uh more ball playing and offloading than uh, than Richie Gray. Um but uh yeah, he seems he seems to have kind of yeah, reverted a bit. So I think whether it's Tullis playing a different style of game or Skinner who seems to be uh, certainly the first sort of quarter of an hour of the, the South African game you watch that he's getting mixed up in ball carrying and throwing little passes and stuff and yeah he seems to have a bit of bit of pace on him and uh, some, some good decent hands so no, yeah, kick, he, he, no kicking this week fun. though no, no kicking, kicking this no, week, sadly. Yeah. yeah, sadly. I was hoping that would become a bit of a thing. Um, we'll we'll move on then from uh, this. We'll, we'll, we've got a bit of, we'll look at a bit of news. Um, Hugh Jones uh, is off to Leicester, allegedly. Um, I think the, B, the Jamie Lyle sort of confirmed this as being that, that there is substance to this, and it's um, it, it it looks like it's happening. Although there are offers, I think, from other English clubs on the table. Um, there's quite a lot of Glasgow players out of contract, isn't it? About 30? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, Jamie put uh, some up in an article he'd written for one of the many sites he, he writes for. Um, yeah, uh, there's there's a lot. Some of them are, are older guys like Tommy Seymour. Um, yeah. Alex Dunbar, I think, is up. Alex is Dunbar. Up. Um, Ollie Kebble, although you'd think someone like Kebble, if he's committed to yeah, being a, a project a couple... player, yeah. A couple that have come in on sort of one or two year deals and they're just see- seeing those out. So I mean, in theory, Hastings and stuff. But you imagine Hastings is going to stick around for a wee while. Um, but yeah, I think um, Jones Jones is a, a tricky one. He's never he's never really done done that that much of excitement in a Glasgow shirt. But I mean, he's still he's still managing to do it in in a Scotland shirt for the most part. Certainly, he had a had a brilliant game on the weekend there. Um, so. Maybe yeah, maybe the I don't know. Maybe the Glasgow environment is is not suiting him. There's quite a lot of people on Twitter sort of saying that Jones kind of oh that maybe Hugh Jones owes owes the Warriors another season or another deal or something. Mm. I'm not quite sure where that would where that why where that would come from. Why it would be? I mean, when he burst, you know, when he came onto the international scene, he didn't have a he didn't have a contract in the Northern Hemisphere. But I would be very surprised if Glasgow was the only the only club that was interested in in having his services. After yeah. that kind of break, breakthrough season, so I don't think, um, you know, poor wee Hugh, we we took him in and uh, took him in and, and put a roof over it, over his head is is quite the the angle to go for. I mean, I guess yes, he hasn't he hasn't really performed for Glasgow, so in terms of his his wages, maybe they would say he's not not earned them. But I mean, it was just a first first contract, so 
who knows? I don't know what the, the money situation. Yeah, you can't be. you can't begrudge guys that age going in it because especially he's been unlucky with injuries in the past. He had that whole almost a whole year out, didn't he, when he first joined Glasgow? Yeah. yeah. So you kind of think someone like that who's had bad injuries in the past, you don't begrudge them then going and grabbing some sweet sweet dollar while they can. Yeah, and I mean if he if he continues to perform in a Scotland shirt and give us moments um, like you know the ones we we're seeing and. Um, contribute to a team that's getting more good results then you can't really grudge him going going somewhere and, and seeking a, a better better wage packet just as long as he doesn't get any um hairdressing tips from mr denton <laughs> um i mean the the only worrying thing from for i think from a scotland perspective and it's something tom english was talking about is you've, you've lost russell and you've lost um hog and now potentially we've lost you've lost jones as well and when you looked, I was looking in the program at the Fiji match, and you look at all the um, the mascots, and, and they all have to name their favourite player. And without exception, I think probably there was one Tommy Seymour in the Fiji game, but all the others were Hugh Jones, Stuart Hogg, and Finn Russell. Yeah. And if you're trying to put bums on seats at places like Glasgow Warriors and Ember Rugby, you need to have some marquee players to get people along. It's you're always going to feel Murrayfield because these guys are going to come back, but but to sort of maintain that interest between, you know, the autumn and the Six Nations in the Six Nations, and then, I mean, realistically, the autumn again because the national team goes off in the summer. You you need to have these, well, you need to have some big name players drawing people in, and that's that. There's going to be some hard choices, I think, from, uh, from the SRU's perspective, it, 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 is are they going to have to start chucking bigger money to at least keep some of the bigger players? Because as much as, I mean, there was one lad, bless him, who'd chosen Ross Ford as his favourite player, which, you know, I didn't know. He, he must was just, be for the borders. He must be. Either that or he was just trying to be some sort of rugby hipster and name the most obscure <laughs> player that he could think of that um, that had played for Scotland. Um, he was only eight, so probably Ross Ford probably felt obscure to him, but... Um, yeah, I don't. I, th- I, yeah, I think you. You know, you, the forwards maybe earn less than backs. Um, so there might be money to keep forwards, but I think realistically, if you look at, you know, you ask kids who their favourite players are, they're invariably backs because they're the ones that score tries. Yeah, I guess everyone starts. Uh, everyone probably when you start off the game, you're watching. You're wanted to pass and run, and those are the things that attract most people to the game. I would. I would. I would think certainly at a younger age, um, before you learn about the the dark arts and the <laughs> and things like that. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I would I would uh, just spare spare a thought for that that young mascot who's basically Ross Ford has been the Scotland Booker for his entire life. <laughs> now he's yeah, now he's and now and now yeah, now his now his hero's been relegated by these. These horrible Stuart McAnally's. Yeah, these these uh yeah these latecomers. They, I it I felt almost felt sorry for him. Probably applied ages ago to be a be a mascot. I was thinking I'll yeah. get my big chance to meet Big Ross in there. <laughs> yeah, they'll, pay, they'll they'll let me hold his hand coming out of the tunnel if I if I pick his name and then Ross who? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's that's the worry is that the SR you might have to start finding money down the back of the sofa, but that then of course is at the expense of other things. So I I think there is some difficult decisions. That the SR you're going to have to make in the next couple of years around that. Yeah. Um. Let's have a look. Um. We had a question in actually. We first we've never had a question before, but I quite like this. We, we people wanted to send us a question. It was uh, Fraser, uh, Manson, um, on Twitter who who asked the question um about the eligibility of children of project players. 
Um, and I had a look into this. If the if the children are born in um, Scotland, fine, they're eligible because it's the country of birth. If yeah, I think Fraser gave the example of Tim Visser, so um, David Dent is another good example of this. Yeah, so he's, he's just had a, a baby this week. David just David Dent has just had a baby this week. Now David Denton, of course, is not born in Scotland. He's he was born in Zimbabwe, I think. Uh, his dad, he's eligible through his dad, who's Scottish. Um, now, David Denton's son would be eligible not through David Denton, because it's the country of birth of your parent. He would be eligible through his granddad. Yeah. Tim Visser's son, if he was born in England, isn't eligible to play for Scotland just because Tim Visser did. It's country of birth for parent. Yeah. So there you go. So, so unless you want to campaign. For World Rugby to change it to say that country of birth or country you represented, uh, yeah, project players kids aren't aren't eligible unless they were born in Scotland. I will ask Gus Pichot next time I see him. We will get on to Gus Pichot later on. I have no doubt he will have his turn. Um, very quick, where's Dougie Donnelly? Uh, Martin Bell, the Embra Express, saw Richie Gray in the Embra Longstay car park bus with his crutches on the Sunday after the Fiji match, which. Um, it's a wonderfully mundane place to see somebody. Um, we'll do hands in the ruck then. Um, we've got quite a few for these. Um, Chloe got in touch on email, and while we're talking about Hugh Jones, um, to say her hands in the ruck, and Chloe might guess from this is an Ember fan, is Glasgow fans mourning that they're being treated unfairly because they've lost Hogg and now uh, possibly Jones, and Ember are getting all the SRU love at the moment, um, which I think is it. Everybody thinks each other's biased against everybody else don't oh they? yeah definitely yeah we get plenty plenty of that yeah. um yeah i mean it it's it's probably with with uh with fairly good reason um glasgow didn't get much didn't seem to get much slice of the recruitment pie last year whereas um edinburgh did in, in the off season you know recruiting guys like barclay um obviously both both sides have now got top level coaches though that's not to be sniffed at um neither of those guys are becoming cheap um, but yeah, I mean, if you think about it, in the years before Glasgow were getting all the the good things, and Edinburgh were getting um, what was that guy's name? Bazudenhut, the um, South African guy. They had Alan Solomon during the Solomon's era. I mean, yep. if you think the dark days of the Solomon's era, I think it would be it, it would be you'd have to be pretty mean spirited to begrudge them a, a, a season of some decent signings to try and. Uh, get them back get them back up the league yeah it's interesting because i remember last year um i think it was um well formerly the black and red but now Edinburgh rugby were uh, it was Edinburgh that had all their players up for contracts up for renewal last year and this year it's glasgow so i don't i wonder if that's deliberate some sort of deliberate way of spreading it out they, they must think i mean they might have been counting they do up at up at Murray, bt murrayfield they must they must have a plan a system to to try and spread it um Spread the cost. With I the mean, you say you say you would hope they have a plan. You do know who is in charge of uh, contract renewals, don't you? Um, I'm going to say Scott Johnson. It is Scott Johnson. Yes, got it in one. Uh, Scott Johnson, who once walked into uh, the sevens changing room, dressing room, allegedly, and told them that they were uh, weren't having their contracts renewed just before a final. As the story yeah. goes. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, I think Chloe, um, we would agree with you. Um, everybody thinks they're biased. Some it'll be Embers fans turn for Moan soon enough when um, Glasgow signed some uh, former all-black fullback to uh, fill in for Hoggy for a year who will no yeah. doubt come over, get injured and end up turning out for uh, 
for the second half of the season. <laughs> Can you imagine Ben Smith playing for it? Yeah, <laughs> playing at Megatland or something. That's it. Yeah, that'd be legendary. He'd, uh, he'd be play, playing with Daryl Marfil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Daryl Marfil. Who? Yeah, where? Where? We've got a new feature. Where is Daryl Marfil? Yeah. Um, you get bonus bonus points for a, a where's Doogie Donnelly, Daryl Marfil. So. Daryl Marfil. Nobody has seen Daryl Marfil. Um, I think we saw, he was in a couple of pre-season fortunes but if everyone sees uh, Daryl Marfall please do hand him into the Embra uh, rugby office um, yeah although um, he's going to have to he's going to have to resurface soon in order to uh, in order to meet the lofty prediction that Neil uh, one of our readers gave him this week he said he's going to be a wild card for the World Cup squad he's going to be a Lion and World Player of the Year in 2021 so Daryl get your boots on yeah come on Daryl step up Got to fulfil, uh, got to you know set set the high bar. Neil set for you there. Um, and next hands in ruck, Craig Manson. His hands in the ruck uh, is the continued inability of the Tran and Train companies to understand that sixty thousand rugby fans might need more help getting to and from Murrayfield. <laughs> um, yeah, um, the answer I found the answer um, after the Fiji game was just to stay in the up and under until everyone else went home. Um, but that was, to be fair, that was an afternoon kickoff. Um, we also had, a, we've also had, uh, how, um, let me have a look. Who was this? Um, I think it was how Harlequins tweeted me. Um, where are we? Um, hands in the row. It was a late hands in the ruck uh, came in. Yeah, how Harlequins tweeted um, to say that their um, their hands in the ruck was um, the um, lack of uh, ladies' toilets at Murrayfield. Apparently, they all blocked up, and uh, there are reports that ladies are now starting to go into the men's to use the cubicles. Okay. Yeah, I can't. I the state of men's. Well, one, but there the reason why ladies queue and men don't is because it's it's mechanics. Um, ladies, if you all want to be crammed together, um, shoulder to shoulder, peeing in a gutter, then you're welcome to. Um, it's it's not something I'd wish on anybody. But there you go. That's 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 all. That's the reality of the inside of men's toilet is weeing in a gutter. Um, the um, I I hadn't really considered the state of men's toilets. Um, much until um, I had a daughter, and then had to take her into we men's toilets, and we we don't look after our toilets. That, that's that's really really strange actually, because I had a urinal urinal related comment um, all lined up for uh, for use, and nowhere to shoehorn it in, and there you've just go. given me an opening. Um, but uh, I was I was yeah, I got into the uh, got into the ground um, before the gates had even opened, and I went to use the the facilities thinking off oh, they'll be nice clean spanking you and i was wondering how are you rhino at bt Murrayfield could be full before the gates had even opened <laughs> i mean was that i was starting is that been there for a week i don't know these are the things that you that you ponder when you've got two hours to kill before a kickoff and you can't drink a beer yeah how that's yeah that's that's inconceivable you think someone would have hosed that out but yeah so the um yeah we've had a lot of shouts for that um shiwis i think are probably the answer maybe with uh, i was suggesting those uh shiwi portable female urinals but with um branded with the photos of the players like the cups that yeah i think uh, yes we've had uh, we've had a cup it's not really a hands in the ruck but somebody was somebody from the forum uh at some random bint on twitter was um complaining about lack on cups the lack um, of what cups greg Leadlaw on on cups oh okay so yeah um she claims to have 60 stuart McAnally cups so if anyone can find her a cup with Greg Laidlaw. I mean, I've got. I think I've actually got one. I've got one from Gloucester when he was there. Um, <laughs> that my brother sent me when he went to King's Home to watch a game. And there's a. I've got a James Hook cup, which is a big one, and the Greg Laidlaw cup, which is a little one. 
as you'd expect. Yeah, um, there used to be a thing. I remember when uh, in 1990, in SO garages used to uh, you could for the World Cup they they had commemorative coins for they oh, yeah. had to collect yeah. them and you had the Scotland team. I was only collecting the Scotland team. It was one half for England, one for Scotland. We should maybe do that. Have some sort of like uh, swapsies system at Murrayfield where people can go and hand this the you know the 62 Stuart McInally cups in exchange for like one Greek one. Yeah. If only we were allowed to um, violate people's likenesses in in copyright infringement, then we could just make our own cups. Exactly, yeah. Um, Bruce McConaughey, um, his hands in the ruck, was Chris Harris continues to look like an effective international centre and I don't like it one bit. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure. He did, he, he did. I think it was somebody pointed out it was mostly Ali Price that made him look bad on the the weekend when they tried to break down yeah. that blind side and then Harris ended up going into touch as you could tell he would. Um, yeah, it, it's one of these things. Aside from the Fiji game, he hasn't really had a chance to get on and actually play a part in a game where they're not sort of struggling to struggling to be impressive. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think as well. I was saying I sort of replied to Bruce and said I think. We Scotland fans particularly have got really long memories. I was thinking this about Pete Horn and and why he gets pelters a lot mm. of the time. And every time you mention Pete Horn, people go, "Oh yeah, but he can't pass." And he can pass. He passes. You know, he's how many one pass- of the best. He's one of the best passers we've got. Exactly. But people remember the pass. The the fact that he missed that pass to Hugh Jones against Ireland once. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if that was that was more. He didn't choose to pass, did he? Yes, exactly. He chose, he chose not to pass. That's uh, yeah. I mean, he still he definitely he definitely does have moments where he does something that he shouldn't. Um, but in terms of his actual technical skill at executing a pass, he he is pretty good. Yeah. Um, he had another one. Ironically, uh, the Willie LaRue thing. Uh, uh, you could see. I mean, you can you could we um, where Gavin and I were sitting, we were right you know practically right in line with where he was in the ball, and you could see he thought about passing it. And then he thought, no, the interception's on. So he didn't pass it. It's almost like he pumped. And then he still passed it. And obviously, LaRue got yellow carded and went off. But if he'd caught that, you would have... Um, all the good work that he'd done into the game into the game by that, you know, to that point would have been undone in people's memories. And it would have been back to... Pete Horn can't pass and he's hopeless. Yeah. Which is, I, don't, I don't think is true. No, exactly. And the sim- similarly, Laidlaw's slow, which... I don't. I don't think is necessarily true these days. I think if he if he's slow, there's a reason for it. But yeah. What, one thing I found interesting. Watch watch the. Uh, I can't remember. If it was the Fiji game or the Wales game when Horn came on. I think. It, uh, I forget. One of the games recently, um, Horn came on the pitch and he was he was quite late to most of the rucks. I mean, the the ball was sitting there and there was no scrum half. Yeah. I think that's maybe the risk you have if you have a if you have a. A scrum half who's more active, who gets involved in more breaks, they're, the likelihood of, of them being at the bottom of a ruck is quite uh, is quite high. I mean, if you think about about Greek, yes, he may be occasionally dawdle to get to the ruck, and his service is quite often sort of above someone's head. But he's very rarely caught at the bottom of a ruck. He's usually there or thereabouts to get the ball away. Yeah, have you even tried? If, have even he, if he then dawdles and if he know, if he snipes, he only snipes because it's on. I don't think he, yeah. he 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 tries that. He I think back you know, a few years ago he may have tried a bit more, but he he's a bit more streetwise I think than he gives he's given credit for. Yeah, I mean he, uh, I would I would still like to see him. I would still like to see him bring more because it's one less. If you don't have that, which is why everyone was so excited when Ali Price kind of burst onto the scene, um, 
and I guess why everyone is so excited about George Horn as well, because if you have that threat from the base, it keeps the defence that little bit more that little bit more honest. Um, I mean, if you look at the, I was watching back the the South Africa's first try, I think it was um, when Pollard basically um, he basically ran through the kind of nine channel close to the and Watson sort of fell for the fell for the dummy. Um, he Watson had drifted up, drifted away from the ruck and then Laidlaw called him back to say, you know, don't leave the gap near to the ruck and that actually left the space outside that Pollard went through to start that big run. But that was because probably their scrum half was a threat at that point and they didn't want to leave, you know, the the chance that he would go through close to the ruck. Um, whereas if it was Greek, they probably wouldn't be worried about yeah. that happening. You know, they'd be going the balls going at least one out. Yeah, but I, th- I mean, we've we've had this conversation about Scottish scrum halves it feels like forever, is that whoever comes on as the substitute, people are always shouting to be yeah, the starter. And that's only because uh, Scotland's tactic, even when they couldn't, was always to speed, to try and speed things up when the mm. scrum half came on. So even when Laidlaw has come on as a substitute, he's looked quicker than when he starts. Yeah. Yeah, or Mike Blair or Chris Custer or... Rory Lawson or whoever, yeah. That there's always the argument is that the other guy should start, and that's only because they're on there to do a different job than the person that started. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what's your hands in the ruck then, Rory? Um, well, uh, not too many. I mean, we had one from the smidge, which was um, again the, the Khaleesi incident, World Rugby's inconsistency. But I think we've covered that. Um, I my my hands in the ruck. Um, aside from the weirdly fool toilet was people saying that this was Finn Russell's worst game for Scotland and I don't think that's the case um we've we've kind of covered covered uh, covered that so I won't uh, won't go into too much depth but yeah I I certainly didn't get the impression that this was a nightmare game and the nightmare was entirely due to to Finn Russell's performance which is definitely an impression we've had in other games like um Wales at the start of the year or Calcut Cup two years ago. Those those sort of games, those are those are bad Finn Russell games. This was uh yeah. This was just a you know, failure of execution in certain moments. I mean, you also have to think about the monster pack he plays behind for Racing. I mean, of course he's gonna look amazing for them. And <laughs> the 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 games where Scotland are Scotland Pack are playing well are the games that Finn Russell um lo- looks amazing as well. Um, so I know we, we kind of mocked uh, Scrummo on the, the comments who suggested just pick the hugest pack you can find um, I think that was last week you guys yeah, were talking yeah. about it um, but you know maybe there maybe there's an argument to not necessarily pick that exact group of players but to, to think about that you know the, this game plan is almost centres around Hogg and Russell Um so in terms of the style, because they are the two players that we've got with the biggest amount of talent and the most suited to play in that style of rugby and the skill to pull it off. So how do you get the best out of your players? I mean, it is a bit like building a plan around one player. That's probably never going to work because of injuries and things like that. But it's maybe worth it's maybe worth considering when you're thinking about how how the pack should, you know, how you should pick the pack, how you should go. I mean, yeah. it's tough against South Africa because you, if you didn't, you know, if you picked, if you picked, say, Dell to start, the scrums probably would have gone from from bad to worse rather than from okay to bad. 
Um, you can't, you know, you can't, there's some teams you can't really pick a lightweight pack against. Um, but yeah, I think they need to, uh, they need to still, they need to still have the mobile, you know, stick to, stick to the plan, really play the fast mobile game. Yeah. Um, don't get, don't and, get sucked into, don't get sucked into yeah. the game. The other team's trying to play. Yeah. Which is smashing you and slowing down your ball at the breakdown. Yeah, which I mean, I guess it's it's probably pretty tricky if you think about how many guys there, you know, these giant South African bodies flopping all over the breakdown. Um, yeah, and you've picked a fast mobile pack, and you have to shift those guys. Um, in terms of legal clear outs, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Yeah, uh, I think I think is what it's interesting because because Townsend said that 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 Scotland did adapt, and I think probably they did. It just wasn't. Um, it wasn't maybe as noticeable as you would it might have been in other games against other opposition but they they obviously adapted enough because you know south africa didn't run away with that match yeah no i mean you know listen at the end of the day six points um away from the springboks we were about uh, there or thereabouts with each other in the world rankings so that should be about the result you'd get um which shows that we are pretty much where our ranking is um I think we've gone down maybe a, a spot now. Um, yeah, Australia, Australia have gone yeah. up. But, you know, the, the, um, I think uh, Scotland could be could be ranked higher, but until the, the little bits that, that keep going wrong get fixed, um, we're always we're always going to struggle, despite the, you know, the undeniable talent and the, the exciting style of play that, that everyone loves. Um, you know, I'm happy, I'm happy watching, watching the, watching the team play, but, uh, I wouldn't yeah. say it's more frustrating than a, than taking taking a kicking, but it, it certainly, um, you know, you do you do find yourself thinking, well, that was maybe another one that got away. Yeah, I mean, the inter- it's interesting the world rankings because you look at it and between Wales and you forget Ireland and New Zealand because they're just both yeah miles uh, ahead. Yeah, miles ahead. I think uh, New Zealand are ninety two point five four and Ireland are ninety one point seventeen. You've got Wales in third on eighty six point seven, and then us down in seventh on eighty one point five seven, and then there's a big jump to France on seventy eight point eight eight. But it, yeah. it's quite tight between between third third and seventh. That it's tight. Yeah. So the yeah, given that a few you know a few years ago we were bobbling along outside the top ten for a while, that's you know. We've consistently been at least we've consistently been in the top ten for the last few years, and we've been bombing around five, six, and seven now for at least the last couple of seasons. Yeah, so it's it's that next it's that next thing to push on, and the thing that's going to push you on to that is is improving the accuracy until you start until you start the lineouts and figure out a way to deal with the rush defence. Um, these these styles of teams are still going to find a way to. To make you make you look foolish. Um, I mean, yeah, Razi Erasmus said in the, also said in the pod uh, in the podcast the press conference. Sorry, um, after the after the match, you know the the South Africa. He didn't think South Africa were a better team than Scotland on on that day. It was just a it was a game of rugby between two evenly matched teams, and South Africa won it. But you could play the game again the next day, and Scotland might win it. Yeah, um, which I thought was you know was pretty pretty complimentary. Um, and and probably probably true. I mean, there wasn't in the end of the day there wasn't that much in it. Um, if Scotland had maybe kicked their points and used their strengths a little bit more, like you say, that was 
potentially a game that that Scotland lost with with um, little moments of of kind of concentration going missing. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think yeah, that's and that's what it comes down. It's fine. It's fine margins now rather than a gulf we're trying to. Which cross. I think you have to accept it. You're not gonna you're not gonna suddenly get a team that then goes on to win everything for the next two years ever. You know, unless you're a New Zealander. No, and even um, New Zealand so, lost to South Africa, so you know, yeah, and uh, they've lost to Ireland. And now. Ireland. The last yeah, team, which I mean, which is great. The last team, great. um, you know, the last team that beat Ireland. Scotland. Yeah. There you go. Right, go, go us. Go us. So there you go. Um, yeah, they then beat us, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say that them beating New Zealand does make our World Cup group a lot harder. We probably were all quite excited when we got Ireland in the draw and thought, oh yeah, we'll beat them, no bother, but they're on quite a run now. It, yeah, it makes it doubly hard because even if we if, because if we end up second in the group and given the way Japan played, there's no guarantee of that. Um, Not at all, yeah. The we 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 potentially face New Zealand then in the quarters, mm. and New Zealand have now had their one loss in two years in their so, World Cup cycle. Yeah, yeah. So that's us gone. Um, you never know. You never know. We you, can. Ne- you never do. I mean, it it, it it's tricky because you can easily see Japan having one of their blinders, and we'll be the mugs that that they get the upset against, and everyone's like wonderful, plucky Japan, aren't they? Aren't they marvelous? And Scotland disappointing again and it'll be you know i hope that's not what happens because we i think we're a better team than that um i I really want the guys to go over there and give it a crack next year what do you think about yeah i mean new zealand um new zealand south africa lost to japan in 2015 and still topped the group yeah um you can you can maybe get away with with it is there are three teams in in that group that can all win games so yeah it could be uh could be a close could be a close group let's hope let's hope so um it would certainly make it interesting there's a lot of interesting groups and be good if ours as well. Yeah. Um my hands in the ruck. Um we mentioned him early, Gus Pichot. Um he's I, I over the weekend there was Ultimate Rugby, um Brian O'Driscoll's funny little um app that used to be free and then he started charging lots of money for it. Um, yeah. Which nobody nobody uses now because nobody uses because you have to pay for it. Um I'd sort of I, I'd sort of ignored it, but I think I posted a, a throwaway comment um suggesting that um because they tweeted out, well, Rugby basically tweeted out percentages of players who were um, born outside of um, their con- the country they were playing for. Um, yeah. In the in the autumn tests, uh, with Scotland at the top, understandably. So they had uh, Scotland at forty six point three percent, Japan thirty seven point one, and Italy twenty nine point seven. And everybody quite rightly just rounded on and said, "This is ridiculous." One one, it's inaccurate because it really take account of the nuances of where who those players are and yeah you know you can have someone born literally over the border from one country who is then lived in that country you know the country that they play for all their life you can have a tommy seymour who was born in america lived there nine years grew up at then grew up in ireland but plays for scotland because he's got a scottish mother so it's people quite rightly i think rounded on it and said it's a ridiculous thing what what's weird then is Gus Pichot um, has picked this up, and without giving credit to Ultimate Rugby, which is really ironic because I think um, I don't think Ultimate Rugby are rugby lad about these things in one of these people that steal content. But Gus Pichot has just wholesale stolen this from um, Ultimate Rugby and just copied and pasted it into his own tweet. Which, given 
that he is vice president of world rugby isn't a good look. No. And he hasn't even credited the original, you know, whoever came up came up with the original inaccurate graphic. Exactly. And it's not I think yeah, it's he's he came I I mean his his whole thing when he came into the vice presidency's vice presidency yeah, vice president CCC was. Um, I think we should change the rules around eligibility, and he got and he got the change that he wanted. And and you know, fair enough. You know, now the residency is five years, and I think that's probably strikes the right balance because that's a real commitment from someone to stay in a country for five years. Yeah, um, it probably benefits countries like France and England slightly more, and that that financially they can incentivize someone staying in a country for five years compared to say Scotland, because mm. you know whether or not we could persuade someone to stay some in Scotland for five years of their career based on what we can pay them compared to in England, I'm not sure, but it feels more fair in terms of a genuine commitment. But then to sort of somehow carry on that argument, it it, it starts to feel odd and it goes to a very different place mm. and it becomes a bit like it's all i mean you can almost sort of see him there going filthy mudbloods every time scotland tick to the field um yeah and for all he's i mean for all his cool guy stick and his hey i'm i'm easygoing gus i'm i'm all right i'm you know i'm, I'm the cool guy that's going to come and revolutionize world rugby i'm not uh, yeah that sheen has sort of fallen away a little bit yeah, do you think he's um, yeah got a T-shirt that says "Some of my best friends are project players." Yes, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, I was mulling this. It's the sort of yeah, he he sort of strikes me as the kind of guy that just sort of you know you might be having a conversation with him, thinking this guy's quite, quite you know, he seems quite cool, seems quite into it, and then would say something like, I mean, "Say what you like about Hitler, but at least he got the trains to run on time." Yeah, something like that. Um, you know, I think we've said in previous he just he does look he just has the look of someone that gives seminars on how to talk to women. So yes. So anyway, that is um that is Gus Pichot once again. Um we um Will he will he make it three in a row? Will he yeah, well he's been I think he's been hands in the rock every single time. Um apart with last week, no, we had a rest with, from Gus last week. Um, although I do notice that they've got the um, what's come through the um, that that they've launched now crazy Australia World Rugby. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's um, that's coming now. Western Force were officially relaunched, and whoever that mad millionaire was there planting a flag in some beach somewhere this morning. Um, so yeah, your your seven point power tries that's all coming. Yeah, I mean, I was quite surprised that they let that go. Th- you know that they let that go through with with changed rules. I, I can see it's actually probably not a bad idea in terms of just having another kind of maybe Super Fifteen B League almost um, in terms of that kind of that kind of level of competition, but spreading it slightly more to the kind of uh, to Asia, which is obviously a, a huge potential market. But yeah, I'm quite quite uh, surprised that World Rugby kind of gave it the okay to say yes, you may call it rugby and. But actually, they're you know they're changing changing the rules and things. Yeah, I've just seen this um, the, the uh, question: What is the most racist nation in Latin America? Yeah, um, which I think you just sent this through to me, Rory. And Argentina is the answer. So there you go. Um, 
<laughs> we're not suggesting that Gus Pichot is racist, just the whole nation of Argentina, and I yeah. technically don't think they can sue us. Well, it's actually not. We're not suggesting it. It's the guy that answered this question on Quora. On Quora, who, exactly. Yes. So, um, yeah, sue, sue, sue him. But there you go, an explanation nonetheless. Um, that's it from us for this week. Uh, we will be back next week following the Argentina match. Um, we I think we're just going to do a review of the Argentina game, and then we'll do a full autumn roundup the week after because there is a Scotland women's game happening. I think. Next Tuesday? I might be wrong with that. Is it next Tuesday? I couldn't, couldn't tell him. I couldn't tell. There is a Scotland women's game uh, happening and we're hoping to have Gary Heatley on joining us to review uh, their two autumn tests that they've had overall just to see how the Scotland women are getting on. So, yeah, we'll so, do an Argentina review uh, next week and then we'll do a full autumn round up the week after. And then it'll be our Christmas special. Um, so watch out for that. I don't have no plans for that yet. Um, we may just theme some of our regular features around sort of Christmas themes so we'll see how we get on with that um but for the moment it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory goodbye <laughs>